This week on the Magnificently Huge Podcast, Fan Film Theories. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. So, a whole bunch of movies uh, have uh, problems with them. Or there's something subtly weird going on with them. And we've noticed these things over the years. Why is uh, 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 Luke's father, Darth Vader, all of a sudden? Um, why does Jack in Titanic have the wrong kind of anachronistic apparel? And talk about things that don't exist yet. All these problems in movies or all these weird things in movies that happen might actually have a hidden reason. They make movies a lot more fun when you find them. They, they add a level of depth to the movie you didn't know was there. And we call them fan theories. I had to think about that. I was going to say just theories, but then I was like, I should call them fan theories. So what I ended up saying was fan theory. It's a theory uh, about a film that gives it a bit more color, Yeah. So we're going to talk about that today, right after the fresh shit. Um, and if none of this explanation makes any sense, don't worry. I Brian makes me do it again later. Okay, let's hit it. Can I let you guys in on a secret? What's what? that? My, my wife's back is out, and it has resulted in like the best week for me ever. Because there are all these house projects that we're not going to do. It's awesome. Man, your life is like a sitcom. Jesus. Funny. <laughs> well, welcome to the Magnificently Huge podcast where Eric's wife does not listen to the show. Yeah. Yes. I don't think, okay. yeah, I think Jolene is the only one that listens, actually, Brian. So you're the only one what with is, a spouse. What does that say about us? Uh, well, to be fair, we've known Jolene since high school as well. So I think she's maybe more vested. Who knows? Perhaps. I don't know. Anyway, welcome to the show. Let's. Uh, we kind of introduced ourselves. The the guy over there. That was Eric. Yeah. Um, are you are you helping your wife, Eric, or just I am ridiculing I am. her? I am. Okay. I am. I am helping. Uh, I'm giving massages. I'm fetching stuff, and I'm thinking. I'm so glad I'm not like planting bushes or or leveling <laughs> land. Seriously. You know? Okay. Well, good. Yeah. Well, that that way you could put your back out, and then you'd you know be together. Seriously. You'd be like back out palsies, right? Nice. Yeah, but the thing is, my back doesn't go out. I just I just say things like, <laughs> you know. Well, that's good. Or or fascinating. Why don't we just put put the bush there? I like it there, just there. Yeah. Just just there. Yeah. There. Over there. Well, all right. So anyway, that that that's, that's Eric. Eric. Hi, Eric. Yeah. Thanks. For, thanks for sharing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm Brian. Hi, Brian. Uh, do you have any fun uh, marriage anecdotes to share this week? 
Uh, my wife listens to the podcast. That's good enough for so, me. Good you know. enough for me. But she doesn't well, tweet about it on Facebook, right? Because or <laughs> no. whatever you do about no. it. Nobody tweets about anything she, on Facebook. She doesn't face it on Facebook. She doesn't no, book she, it on Facebook. She TikToks it on fuck? Insta. Yeah. She TikToks it on Insta. I don't know. Jesus. Just, she doesn't <laughs> and the other, do the yeah. stuff What's on your the name, thing? third person? Yeah. God. Yeah. This, this is Chris, and I also have something to share with you, fellas. Uh, I'm moving to the country. Gonna eat a lot of peaches. That's my uh, plan. All right. <laughs> thud. <laughs> Landed with a thud. That's amazing. Yeah. Peaches. peaches come from a can. They were put there by a man in a factory downtown. <laughs> this always happens after whenever we, we have like a we, huge gap. Like, yeah. Just fall apart and say nothing of any interest to anybody then we get around to a segment where we talk about what we've been watching and doing called the fresh shit this shit is fresh oh shit that is fresh eric since you haven't been doing chores did you did you get any fresh shit in i did i did i watched uh um this 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 show about a guy who's just chilling he's hanging in the background he's low-key Get it, low key. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, I get it. You know it. what? That joke went around okay. uh, with my work colleagues as well. Like, you gonna watch yeah. low key? Yeah, I'm gonna keep it low key tonight. That was our yeah. code phrase for it. So, Dope. Yeah. Yo. <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's not obvious at all. I as well. Yeah, I watched right. the first episode as well. So, a- as did I. So, what do we make of this? Uh, uh, I think it's about what it's I thought. Cool. I mean, it's. It's you know it's it's yeah it's yeah it's like everything I thought from the trailer. Um, I know nothing about the show still. It still feels yeah. like a trailer for the show. Well, I like that the whole first yeah. episode was all set up for that AVT thing, but I like that they do it in such a weirdly retro futuristic way that it's almost like mm-hmm. Brazil. You can tell they they borrowed heavily from things like Brazil and Blade Runner, where the tech and stuff is just sort of old but fuchi. Futury. So I think design-wise, it's got a lot of kick to it, and it was very entertaining for me. A couple, couple weeks ago, I did a thing about the back rooms, that new internet meme or conspiracy or whatever, uh, yeah. about like the sort of yellow rooms where people get trapped forever. And I think there's a bit of that in there, too. I don't know if that's intentional yeah. or not, mm-hmm. but... it's Yeah, uh, it's hard to see where it's going to go, but I like the, the general setup. Which is literally yeah. all this was was just all this is the rules for this universe, but we're also going to give a giant finger to everything that Endgame fucked up with that weird time heist bullshit that screwed all the <laughs> timelines up. So now yeah. we have an out. We have an out for everything moving forward. We're cool. Thank you. I, I'm like I'm like that. That yeah yeah. The idea that they back to the future. Uh, this thing when they said they specifically weren't always yeah. upset me. But yeah. what I think is funny is the idea of. Uh, 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 Loki saying, <clears throat> "Well, the Avengers did a whole time heist thing. How come they're not in trouble?" It's like, "Well, because they were meant to do that." It's like, "Wait a minute. Okay, so how do you? <laughs> yeah, what? what? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the whole thing is just making fun of giant bureaucracies too, which in and of itself is very funny mm-hmm. as a premise. And you've literally yeah, got yeah. the whole fifteen minute section where he's being introduced to this world, and they're making him do the most ridiculously." dumb shit like sign 
everything he's ever said in his entire life. And then he keeps going, what do you mean? And mm-hmm. then the page prints out and the guy's like, and this one. He's like, what are you talking about? And then the page prints out and this one. <laughs> they kept it yeah. up for like three. So it was little stuff like that that made me laugh. Yeah, that was very Brazil, yes. that little bit yeah. with the dot matrix printer. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you guys in that it was kind of all exposition, like and and sort of and let's catch you up to our characters here. They had a lot of work to do yeah. to like underline for a mainstream audience. This is not the Loki who died at the end of Endgame. This is the Loki who at at the also end of Endgame escapes from New York, who was actually the Loki from the first Avengers movie before he did everything else. Yeah. Who's, who's also apparently a lot also, of that. DB Cooper. I like that they addressed that yeah. early. I I don't. I was hoping there was a lot more to it than that, than just uh, I lost a bet. Uh, yeah, well. I also was a little disappointed at the I don't like being cruel to people. It's part of the act. Fuck you. It's one of the things that made you the most interesting villain. <laughs> but what if that's just <laughs> an act walk away in and of that. itself? You don't know. He's, he's the god of mischief. He could be totally bullshitting Owen Wilson. You never know. He was smiling uh, like I, a I liked... goon when he ripped a guy's eyeball out. That's all yeah. I know. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's quite. I, I that's like quite a writer's... method actor he is. If it's just a part, that's all I'm <laughs> yeah. saying. Yeah, you know. I like the writers calling it out though. It's like, no, you don't understand. Your whole purpose is to be an antagonist for other people to sh- achieve greatness. Yeah, <laughs> that you was know? good. That was good. <laughs> which, which, yeah, it reminds me of the meme I saw recently, which is basically it was Loki, Thor, and Hela, uh, and then basically they just said. Uh, these three could have been the best trio in the Marvel universe, but they had a shit father. <laughs> That's literally <Yeah>. it. <laughs> so, uh, thing thing I noticed about Loki um, after the fact is, I mean, this is a show that would have been filmed during COVID times, and they use this they have this technology that's like this little time turner that they can basically inflict on each other right so owen wilson's character every time loki tries to come at him owen wilson's character will rewind him in time a few seconds and put him back in his place and i realized that this is also a handy device when your actors aren't necessarily in the same room during the shot and you're just uh, keeping them from touching each other, keeping the characters from touching <laughs> true, each other. <laughs> true. And they do it with more than one character. So, yeah. you know. Well, I, uh, I like it that it's just, okay, it's the third Marvel, like official Marvel show on the, the Disney Plus now. And I like that this is the first one where it's totally outside any sort of continuity that we've already witnessed. Because WandaVision was right after Endgame, and as was mm-hmm. Winter Soldier uh, and Falcon. And so this one is sort of uh, playing around now with everything. And they've got that timeline dealy oh, that's so, true, huh? so they can just play with it as much as they want. It's not going to matter because they can mm-hmm. reset. So I like that the sandbox opened up a little bit. I'm trying but, to figure out, is this now a show where he is going to spend the rest of his existence in the TVA or... Is exactly. this going to end with him popping out, like you know, at the moment he's getting choked out or something? I well, it's like is he doomed or is this like to open up a new door for him to still be in movies? I think well, this, the latter. I think the latter. But this was mm-hmm. my my initial feeling uh, at the end of the episode was I thought that's astonishingly very time copy 
And so it's going to be interesting yeah. to see how they play with it because it's literally just him going through the timeline and rectifying all the wrongs that they're chasing to keep everything intact. And it's so it's like it's kind of funny because so, every Marvel thing happens to borrow from something else and just sort of tweak it to the Marvel them. And so to me, this mm-hmm. is sort of like their time cop meets man from uncle kind of a thing. It's just very oddball. Yeah, and and it's definitely got a Doctor Who vibe going on too. Yeah. Got in potential. terms of the timey wimey thing. So, yeah. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed for Loki. Keeping it low key. Keeping it low key. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I thought you canceled Disney Plus, Eric. Uh, I thought I did too, but it turns out I canceled Paramount Plus. I can't keep them all straight. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it looks like it's bonus then. Good for you. Yeah. Ah, nice. Okay. Anything else um, of interest? All right. I've been really listening to Joe Walsh a lot. That's very uh, entertaining. Joe Walsh, very, very, very fun uh, uh, rock and roll guy from the 70s. Give him a shot. Uh, one of the best members of the Eagles because he didn't start out as one. Uh, yeah. I love the James Gang Somebody stuff. they hired. Yeah. They basically, he, he, he decided to join the Eagles because he didn't like being in charge and they needed someone to give them cred. For yeah. being something other than, you know, hmm. sort of horrible country rock. Yeah. Uh, the, the Eagles <laughs> a of decision. whatever. Yeah. Yeah, a decision they regretted when Don Henley and Glenn Fry wanted to be rock stars, but they had to do it standing next to Joe fucking Walsh, you know? Yeah. I love the uh, uh, when he used to guest star on the Drew Carey show in uh, yeah. Drew Carey's, like, stupid band, and Joe Walsh always played just like a total space case. <laughs> And yeah. I could never tell if it was because he did so many drugs while he was in the 70s that that was just him or if he was like putting it on. <laughs> I could never yeah. tell. He was on um, like years ago, he was on the Howard Stern show and he did a, a cover of Desperado, which is Don Henley's signature song. And mm-hmm, apparently yeah. Don Henley like threw a fucking fit. Like that's nice. my song, and but the problem is Joe Walsh <laughs> made it sound really good. Desperado, why don't you come to your senses? Come down from your fences, holy today. Oh, you're a hard one. I know that you got your reason. You know, because Joe Walsh is fucking amazing. I yeah. I just, I can't say enough about Joe fucking Walsh. Um, yeah. I hear yeah. his Maserati. I saw him live at an Oktoberfest once, and there yeah. were a lot of drunk dudes in the audience going, Walsh! You know. Did he, did he play Life's Been Good to Me? Because that... That's like his. Of course yeah. he did. That's his. Here's Maz- and he played Life in the Fast Lane, a few other things. Yeah. <laughs> and Funk 49. Oh, yeah. Anytime yeah. that lick hits, I'm just like instant mood. I mean, it's like, I'm there, man. I'm happy now. And all I heard was like the first four bars. It, it works. Right on. Uh, life's, yeah. What, life's Been Good is my favorite, I think. Because it is, if you, if you listen to the words to that, it is, it is somebody with like, um, sort of a paranoid disorder who's locked in his room and it's like I you know the whole thing is true he's a rock star and he's being chased by people but he's terrified of the world too it's very scary 
I do you remember our friend uh, Luke would tell us the the story about the the song. I don't know if it was a record or just a song, but he's got one called ILBTs, which is basically just I, I like big, big tits. tits. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's so ridiculous yet so fitting at the same time. I mean, if you're gonna play rock shows, you might as well play a song that basically is "Show Me Your yeah. Tits." I I. I think this is a good idea. I, I'm. I mean, Frank Zappa. Had why isn't everybody doing that? Yeah. Right. That's true. Maybe it was a '70s thing. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like uh, 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 the next president of the United States, Mr. Joe Walsh. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> boom. <laughs> that's what I got. Nice. All right. Full week. Chris, what do you got? Uh, not a heck of a lot. I will say this: that uh, Wednesday. I did a whole day of volunteering with my work team for Habitat for Humanity. And let me tell you, there's nothing more ridiculous than getting a bunch of strangers together to help build somebody's house and then letting them (laughs) loose on power saws and nail guns. I mean, it's like, you want me to do what? I mean, I signed a waiver, but you want me to do what? (laughs) So it was like and that that house is going to sell in 3 years for like $100,000 more than its value yeah. and no one's going to realize it was made by amateurs. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh learned some some good techniques, so if I ever build my cabin in the woods, I'm all set. Uh but yeah, it was just strange. So if you've ever volunteered for Habitat for Humanity, uh it it's an interesting day. I'll just say that. Lots of paint and yeah, song. I try not hammer. to I try not to volunteer for any like group uh, events. If I can, yeah. I don't care who. Well, it's I don't want to be it, around people. It basically got us out of a day of work, so you know, ah. whatever. Uh, there you go. But uh, the only thing I've really been watching is I finally finished on HBO Max the new show called Hacks with Gene Smart. Oh, I want to see that. I just uh, started yeah. that. Is it good? It's it's good. I wasn't sure I would like it. I just sort of started it on a lark uh, because it just looked like a really sort of standard sort of sitcom plot with the you know the opposite ends of the same spectrum kind of meeting in the middle eventually uh, but it's it actually got a lot of heart and it's very engaging and it goes dark sometimes but still very sweet and funny um, but basically it's the the established comedian Gene Smart, who's got a residency in Vegas, is sort of her residency is about to get ended. And so they bring on this young comedian, uh, millennial, whatever, who basically shout out a really bad tweet that kind of derailed her career. And she's just a really <laughs> entitled sort of flip, uh, whatever. And so her whole thing was just, I need to get ahead. And she's kind of an ass. And so they kind of meet and don't they're like each both other. Kind of asses, though. Yeah, I mean they're 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 both dicks, and they kind of both need each other's help. It's yeah, it is then, it yeah. is a fun anti Thelma and Louise. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and it's just it's just <laughs> fun to watch it go because they're both just they're dicks to each other, like in a big way, and then eventually <laughs> that garners the res- the mutual respect because they're basically like, oh, you're a dick, just like I'm a dick. And then, you know, they kind of move from there. And the fact that it's sort of the backdrop is the comedy world is uh, sort of the extra spice. So there's a lot of behind the scenes. But she's like, Gene Smart plays a very Joan Riversy kind of comedian. Very established, but part of the old school, but one of the trailblazers for women in comedy. 
but doesn't get a mm-hmm. lot of the the respect for it, and they kind of build off of that. And then there's the sort of the generational conflict that uh, causes some of the friction. But it it ended up very sweet and very nice, and it got renewed for a second season. So I'll watch it. It's fun. It's funny. Uh, hacks. I was HBO listening Max. to. All right. I was listening to um 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 the uh Pod Save the World podcast, and they were yeah. interviewing Pete Buttigieg, and uh-huh. uh, he asked him. So, what do you think of the uh, Gene Smart Renaissance? Just out of nowhere, he asks, "What? Nice. Oh, you know, nice. uh, Watchmen, Hacks, um, what's the other Fargo? She was, she was Fargo. Fargo. Yeah. she's she's always been great. See, that's my thing. I don't think it's a Renaissance. She's always been around. She's always been great. She was yeah. in a shitty film with Bruce Willis in the '90s called The Kid. I remember nothing about this movie except her eight minutes." <laughs> <laughs> She's always I just, been the best. I'm pissed that you can't find the Oblongs anywhere streaming, uh, which was a cartoon that she did with Will Ferrell, which is sort of like an Adams Family sort of weird thing. And she was the mom, <laughs> and it was hilarious. Yeah, uh, and I'm just sad you can't find it anywhere. But oh well. Yeah, she's <laughs> easily one of the most underrated actresses of our of our age. Just yeah. So yeah, that works. That works well for Hacks uh, as well. So. Good times. Good times. Yeah, good times. Good times. So let us know when All you right. start it, Brian, and then we can catch up. Yeah, no, probably this week. I'll probably start. I'm, I'm ready to start up some new shows, and that's high on my list. Cool. So, yeah. Cool. What else do you watch? All right. Well, I've, I've, I've got a few things. Uh, new things? Yes. Okay. Actually, some of them very new. Uh, we'll start with this. How do you do, um, it? How do, you do it? I don't know. Uh, determination and we took a week off okay no um so i watched the and i know eric's gonna groan immediately but i did watch the new bo burnham special on netflix called inside (laughs) bo burnham is that guy who started out uh writing like overly clever songs in his parents attic as a teenager and now he's like a 30 year old millennial and this is the special he made while in quarantine by himself he does everything the camera the lighting the you know the writing and all of it and it is ultimately just about itself it is about bo burnham trying to decide whether he should even make comedy anymore period whether he should make comedy in a pandemic uh slowly losing his shit he doesn't cut his hair or trim his beard like through the whole year and you just watch him degrade (laughs) and degrade and he's like suicidal um so and, and it like like all of his comedy he deliberately uh comes up with all of the criticisms of himself and his special and that is what it's about but every now and then, there's a moment of just pure genius. He has a song uh, called Welcome to the Internet, where he, uh, you know, basically just reams everybody who, like, built the internet and then handed it to toddlers and is like, well, you fucked everybody, didn't you? ways to engage. Welcome to the internet. Put your cares aside. Here's a tip for straining pasta. Here's a nine-year-old who died. We got movies and doctors and fantasy sports and a bunch of colored pencils. 
pencil drawings of all the different characters in Harry Potter fucking each other. Welcome to the internet. Hold on to your socks, cause a random guy just kindly sent you photos of his cock. They are grainy and off-putting. He just sent you more. Don't act surprised, you know you like it, you whore. And he has another song called um, The Way the World Works, where... This is one of the earlier ones in the year, and you can tell he's still, like, trying to, to come up with interesting bits, but his whole deal is uh, he's singing a duet with a sock on his hand, and the sock uh, only exists when it's on his hand and it knows it, and the sock is, like, <laughs> just completely criticizing all of Western society, and Bo Burnham himself is playing the white male oppressor to his sock puppet, and... <laughs> Dude, it's like he's it in, in my house, just a fly on the wall. I do that all the time. Yeah, so um, I liked it. I think it's a lot of navel gazing. It's so meta. At one point, he has got he's got a song about being an unpaid intern, and then he's like, "I'm gonna do a reaction video. I'm gonna watch myself singing this song." And the way he set this up, he's actually got it on a loop. So he starts reacting in real time, like there's no cut in real time to himself reacting to his song, to himself reacting to and it it just gets weirder and weirder. He's like, oh, wow, I hate this. I need to stop this. This is horrible, you know? So it's very meta. Okay. Jesus. Does he make a lot of pandemic jokes? Um, he mostly makes a lot of jokes about how much, uh, you know, his situation sucks and how he hates himself. Okay. Um, Interesting. If you like Bo Burnham, it's really good. If you don't like Bo Burnham, this is not going to convert you. If I've <laughs> put it like if- that. Let's say that I know the name Bo Burnham, but I don't know Bo Burnham's material. Would this be a good introduction to Bo Burnham? Um, I think it's the best thing he's done because it's the most adult thing he's done. Okay. Uh, just, just go Google the YouTube for the song Welcome to the Internet and see what you make of that because that's a high point. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I never thought he was terribly okay. interesting, but... Um... Yeah, I gotta give it up. He 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 he, he works it. What he has, <laughs> which is himself. Yeah. Yeah. He's no <laughs> he's no Dane Cook, bro. Okay, but who is yeah, really? really? Not Dane even Cook. Dane Cook. Dane Cook is <laughs> Dane Cook is. Okay. I know that for a fact. I, I oh, got there that you go. Okay. right. Yeah, yeah. I I think you're right. Okay. Um. Okay. So I also watched a documentary called Street Gang: How We Got to Sesame Street. Which is a behind-the-scenes <laughs> making of documentary of Sesame Street. I just had images of like Big Bird and whatnot, like throwing gang signs and getting into knife fights. There, <laughs> I mean, there are outtakes, and most of them are much more cruel to Kermit. Actually, yeah. Um, there's some great outtakes of of Bert and Ernie, uh, Frank Oz and and Jim Henson just giving each other shit in character. Nice, uh, which is great. It was Gordon um, involved. Oh, yeah, and both Gordons. Okay. Yeah, they tell that story. But the, the one thing that you have to watch, you know, happen in this is Big Bird has seen some shit. Okay, because <laughs> Big Bird is like the character through which all children get to experience, like, you know, trauma. And Big Bird gets to experience it on Sesame Street for the children. So they, like, go through the whole thing about Mr. Hooper dying and how Big Bird has to process it on camera and then towards the end i had forgotten i had seen this at the time but goddamn carol spinney got up as big bird in person 
and sang It's Not Easy Being Green at Jim Henson's fucking funeral and got through it. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. That is, that is hardcore. Like, I don't know how he did that because, you know, Jim Henson's funeral. Well, but, uh, it's just yeah. his boss. Yeah, really. <laughs> oh, well, that's like John Cleese getting up at Graham Chapman's funeral and doing the one dead Graham bit at his funeral. <laughs> it's, you know, right. it's like it's just it's just showing some love for your colleague, you know. And now a song so, the dead guy wrote. But don't worry, <laughs> I still get checks. <laughs> really. And it is fun that Carol Spinney is both Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch, right? And they're like, this has basically been how Carol Spinney has done therapy through his life, is he just gets to be these two characters. <laughs> Seriously. Um, and then my, my final, I actually do have something fun and supposed to depressing for my fresh shit. Um, there was an early screening last night of The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. I see that preview and I laugh my balls off. I don't even know what the first movie was about, but I see that preview and I go, that Dude, is hilarious. <laughs> you're going to love it then because it is fucking hilarious. I, it's getting bad reviews <laughs> and I don't know why. I had a blast. Well, I mean, it knows, oh my it God. knows what it is. Seriously. Oh, it really yeah. knows what it is. This is... This is Samuel L. Jackson, Salma Hayek, um, Antonio Banderas, and for the love of me, I can't. Ryan Reynolds, um, all just like unedited, just full out. Salma Hayek and Antonio Banderas are in this thing. Do they do any references to Desperado? Like winky winky. They do references to all kinds of shit. Like this. I mean, this movie. I left this movie wanting to go rewatch the Deadpool movies because it's it's just that goofy. It's so goofy, and it's so violent, and there's so much action and so much language, and it's just a fucking blast. Hey, wait, wait, wait. And part, Selma Hayek. There's a part in the ahead. preview where they all get darted, and they all pass out, and yeah. Ryan Reynolds falls face first into Selma Hayek's ass. Did that really happen? Yes. Is that in the movie? Oh, oh my yeah. God. No, that that's was very much in the hilarious. movie. That was hilarious. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and honestly, uh, uh, made me jealous, yes. Well, you know, yeah, I, no, I Salma Hayek first into her ass. Are you kidding? Salma <laughs> Hayek steals the show because her character is just nuts, and she is allowed to just go off with the language and the violence and everything else, just right up there with the guys, and there's no no punches pulled. So, um, it's yeah, no, I had a lot of fun with this. I don't know why the reviewers are are not into it. I yeah, you'll laugh your butt off. Probably because it's and, just and a, again, I had. I had no interest in seeing that first one. I don't even know what it's about. Apparently a bodyguard and a hitman, but uh you won't care. Just just the gags I was watching, I'm like, <laughs> god damn it. This is funny. Uh, well, I was you know, crying yeah, no. at the preview. At the preview had me laughing till I cried. And I'm like, what am I doing crying <laughs> at this thing? It's it must be been good. a long year. It's been a long year. So yeah, this is the most fun I've had with a movie in a while. I really? laughed. And, Interesting. Oh yeah, okay. it was hilarious. Okay. It's so dumb and so goofy, and they know it, and they're just going full out. Okay. Good. Yeah. Okay. No. Okay. Good times. And that's the fresh shit. I have no idea how today's show is going to go because it it sounded like you guys didn't give a fuck about today's. 
I mean, <laughs> no, I got some stuff. I got some stuff, but honestly, I think of the three of us, you're the only one that really gets a hard on for this sort of conspiracy nut thing. Honestly. Well, it's just that what the good ones make you rethink the movie, and I think that's kind of fun. You know? Yeah, I yeah. Do you think this sort of thing would have existed uh like like it does now if there were no internet? Like I don't remember this sort of thing being as big of a deal before the internet was a thing where people could just randomly throw ex- stuff. It would exist like it does now, but I remember, you know, hearing theories about movies uh before the internet. Like Yeah, tell I, tell us the premise of the topic here. What tell okay. the audience what we're okay. talking about. <laughs> well, we don't even know. <laughs> Okay, I'll tell you. Though the audience already knows because I did an introduction. Yeah. Uh, they, they heard Oh, that okay. And, yeah, so they know. But uh, yeah. yeah, the idea is fan theories about movies that either explain the movie better or change your perspective of the movie or things that, that, that you may not have caught but somebody else caught and turned it into an explanation yeah. of the film. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple of the like super easy ones that almost everyone knows that I'm I'm not planning on covering. Like Ferris Bueller's Day Off all happened inside of Cameron's head. That's a pretty you know well established. I like. One. Yeah, he fight club. You it. say it's well established, but I I did not really know about that one until you brought the topic up. Oh. Um. So so the premise is that that. Cameron is basically, like you said, Fight Club. He's he's Tyler Durden, or Ferris yeah, is Tyler Durden. Yeah, he's fantasizing the whole thing. He has a crush on a girl at uh, school named Sloan, and so he weaves her into it, and he gets to check her out, but he still can't, you know, be the one who's dating her. You know, um, and the only thing that actually happens is he fucks up his dad's car, and and then he takes ownership of of it and doesn't put it off on his invisible friend. That's sort of like his his cure. <laughs> what his I what trauma. I should have done is rewatch the movie with that as the context well, you and, can. and see if that holds now up. Now you can. Okay. Now you can. Yeah. Uh, and there and you go. there's a number of films that we're going to discuss that you can do the same thing. Yeah. I've got I think the, uh, Okay. I've got 13 different ones here. Holy shit. Uh, another Ooh. another very common one um is that that uh, Fight Club is actually the grown-up version of Calvin and Hobbes? I like that one. I gotta tell yeah. you that. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's yeah. genius because it makes a lot of fucking sense. It really yeah. does. That is just Calvin grown up, and uh, yeah. instead of a tiger, it's now a guy who you know they beat the shit out of each other, which they do anyway. And yeah. the Fight Club mm-hmm. is a lot like the uh, the He Man Woman Haters Girls Club are or really. What is it? Girls are really gross, or so they like come up well, with yeah. Well, gross, gross. Yeah, gross was yeah. the uh, anatomy, uh, an anagram for it, whatever it was. I right. can't remember what That's it is. The though. same thing as the uh, Fight Club. Get rid of boy. slimy girls. I think is what it was. Yes, thank you. Was That's it. Like, yeah. yeah. Bing. <laughs> I think the the first one we ever discussed. I remember talking about this way back in high school. Even was the whole concept of James Bond being a code name. For the yeah, spy, that's another common one, which yeah. is why you get different actors mm-hmm. in the role, but it changes by decade, and it never seems to follow any sort of continuity. Uh, right. So that one seems to be a fairly so I guess, widespread one. I guess we are talking about those, but only as an introduction. Uh, yeah. Okay. Are there any you guys want to lead with? I probably should have just sent you my list. 
so that you could like decide what <laughs> you wanted to do. But I managed to find some. Don't worry. I'm a okay. self-starter. I'm a self-starter. I was. Yeah. I was a little worried. I was like, I'm the only one interested in this. And whenever that's the case, I just <laughs> feel like a goon. I I have a couple, but one of them was Ferris Bueller. So you know, keep going. Do you want to Do you want to expound <laughs> on that at all, Brian? As long as we're Not here, really. Okay. I think, I think I think that was we covered that. What What did you bring, Chris? Uh, I think my favorite. Well, not my favorite, but one of the ones that I found most interesting was the posit that uh, the move the John Wick movies are all just basically training programs within the Matrix. I think that's hilarious. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> this actually works. Yeah, and because yeah, and because yeah. it's such a simple simplified thing, like the the hotels are the sort of the neutral ground. They use the gold coins, etc. It plays like some sort of weird video game version, and then you get to do all these different fighting styles and guns and whatnot. So it's and I it actually kind of makes right? it better. I, so now when I watch mean, John Wick, I'm, yeah. Does does that mean that Neo is in it running the simulation and that's why he looks like John Wick or is Neo and Morpheus and all of them are they all programs you know like that that keep showing up in the training I, module? Well, that's the thing. I think it's just some random guy and he wants to look like Neo, so they make well, him look like Neo. Well, here's where it but, gets weird is because yeah. to say you've got the Keanu Reeves connection, Neo and John Wick, but then you also see Lawrence Fishburne pop up in the John Wick movies, but he's not Morpheus. So it's like this weird circular sort of spiral that someone has put together. Uh, right, so, which is yeah. what makes me wonder if, like, you know, like, are, are Neo and Morpheus avatars that you can yeah. play in this universe? Exactly, yeah. No, you're just, you're, you're just wearing the Neo yeah. skin. Yeah. Which is possible. Mm-hmm. But that's also t- in tandem <laughs> with the other Matrix theory where uh, the sequels are actually still just part of the Matrix, even though they're supposedly in the real world. Because like once Neo talks to the architect and then escapes to the real world, he suddenly manifests all these Neo-like powers in the real world. Which is where I thought they were going, right? At the end of The Matrix Reloaded, and he's like, no, and he holds up his hand and he's able to affect the Sentinels. I'm like, oh... Well, that's because that is not the real world, exactly. and instead it was, and it was stupider. <laughs> so, I, yeah. I actually heard a different uh, a Matrix theory that is uh, Neo is actually a machine, and he the what is it the 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 place where they all go Zion is yeah. just another outer level of the Matrix. Right. Right. So. I think that's what we're saying. Yeah. He's just there yeah. to like limit the advance of the, you know like human technology. Yeah, yeah. The illusion of choice, right? Yeah. You're gonna you can either be a freedom fighter in Zion, or you can calm the hell down and enjoy your cubicle. Yeah, yeah. right. But the beauty of the Matrix is that the Wachowskis just set it up in such a way that it's totally open to interpretation. There's no hard and fast. Like this is exactly how it is. So you could right. just spend those all day on the Matrix, but. <laughs> those are the two that are, that struck me as the the funniest. So yeah, I'll stick with those. Well, here's mm-hmm. one I love because uh, my wife and I came up with it. So yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And another thing, all of these ideas, most all of these ideas were stolen from the internet. But since there's no yep. credit on any of them, fuck you. We can yeah. say whatever we want. Maybe you came up with one of these theories. But, you know, show me that copyright notice. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, you, can, you can sue us for a percentage of all of the money we're making. Yeah. Yeah. 
on the yeah. podcast, and we'll, well give you not, a percentage. We're not an LLC. <laughs> they can get all three of our houses. <laughs> yes, they can. They can have a percentage of the money we're losing making this podcast. Seriously, <laughs> if 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 we were an LLC, maybe. Anyway, um, yeah. So Inception. Everybody know Inception. Yeah. Uh, the whole yep. question was whether or not he's dreaming. I mm-hmm. don't think that's the real. You know, the real thing. It's uh, the whole thing is therapy for him. He is the point of the whole. The, the in- Inception is basically one long dream Leonardo DiCaprio is having uh, as he comes to terms with the death of his wife, um, who is not uh, 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 that actress whose name shit fuck. Why can't I remember names? Why am I it's, old? It's um, uh, Cotillard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, her. You just yeah. said her name. I can't remember what her name is. Uh, it's, it's something <laughs> French. Anyway, yeah, he has this dream where, uh, you know, it's like a very spy fantasy dream, and they keep playing La Vie en Rose uh, by Edith Piaf, and that actress you named played Edith Piaf in the biopic La Vie en Rose, which makes me think before he went to bed, he had watched that movie, and now he's got both of them stuck in his head. Uh, <laughs> it's possible. Her name like a, like is Maul. Yeah, her her uh her name is Mall uh M O L actually it's M A L in the credits but it sounds like M O L right Method of Levels is uh, an acronym uh M O L is an acronym for Method of Levels which is a psychiatric method of getting one to talk to oneself in therapy to hear what one is Ooh. saying to oneself which is everything that's going on in that movie uh all of the other all of the, the people in that film are named after architects. I don't know if you caught that. Eames. Um, I can't remember the movie well enough to say them all. But they, like all the, the people on the crew are all named after architects, which mm-hmm. you know, is unlikely. I think that's dream stuff. Um, <laughs> I don't know. That one's a little weaker. But yeah, but uh, the idea... No, I like it, I like being, it. Yeah, yeah. It's that it doesn't matter whether or not you know, he's asleep, it's that this is all happening for him. In fact, it might yeah. actually just be a natural dream, but I don't think so, because at one point, people keep saying, you know, you can get out of this if you want to. You know, you can, yeah. you can return to the real world if you want to, and he just doesn't yet. Well, what's your stance on the actual ending with the spinning top? Because there's a lot of debate about that, but the theory that I, I think- read... That ties into it is that the the top is not actually his avatar; it's his wife's. It's his, if you, yeah, yeah, it's like his wedding ring. Apparently, is what's uh, purported to be his avatar, and he has it on in that last scene or something. I can't remember what it is specifically. I've heard, now. yeah, I've heard that too. But my my contention is that av- you know those don't matter at all. It's like all that stuff he made up in his head during this single dream. So it's a red herring. It's yeah. Okay. That uh, um, Michael Caine is his father, uh, that he's you know, already had this situation that the guy has with his father. It, there's a lot of stuff okay. in there about fathers. But Interesting. How many times have you yeah. seen Inception? <laughs> oh, 50? I mean, I love that film. <laughs> I watch it every, Damn. every okay. few months. I've got to watch okay. that film again. I just love it. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah. It's like, you know, like when I watched Tenet, uh, a couple weeks ago, I was like, I still like it on the level of a uh, a Christopher Nolan film, 
though that is basically him at his most self-indulgent. I think Inception yeah. is mm-hmm. at least well thought out. Nolan self-indulgent. Okay. Yeah, it might be the best Nolan film in Inception. I think. Yeah. Plus, yeah. you know, we have it for to have it to thank for Blah. Blah. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. Which and that's another thing. That's another thing that makes me think uh it's a dream is that the the womp womp music is a uh slowed down version of La Vion Rose five times. And it's the normal <laughs> music, which means someone higher up <laughs> than the level of the movie itself is playing the out music for him. Okay. Wow. Okay. Eric has made this a much deeper film than it actually is. Good oh, job, no. sir. I think it's nice. there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Were you on cough syrup when you thought this up? <laughs> <laughs> so there is one that my wife and I made up, and I actually brought this to the podcast a long time ago, but I'm going to revisit it because she reminded me of it when I was telling her about the topic. And that is when we saw the musical of Matilda, and there's a point, and in the middle of the show where this is the Roald doll story, Matilda, mm-hmm. where the character Matilda suddenly like manifests these telekinesis powers and she's been being abused and abused and she's like quiet. And she like, like starts fucking with everything. And in my mind in the theater at the time, I had been enjoying the show as it was, and then suddenly it was about a girl with magical powers, and I decided that it was better if I decided that what actually happened is that Matilda snaps, and everything that happens from that point forward, she's just crazy and is, is hallucinating the rest of the show. And it's so much better if you think of it that way. So she totally carries so, it? Like pulls a fucking carry? Yeah, she yeah. She just into you know, her insanity? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And from that point forward in the show, everything is just she's probably just sitting in the corner rocking back and forth and drooling on herself, but this is what's in her mind. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. A sucker I like punch. How, so. Yeah. Yeah. I like how all of these are like basically that's <laughs> in the mind of the character. It's it's so like Bobby Ewing Dallas sort of territory we're getting into. It's just funny. The Do you do you, do you have another one, Chris? Uh the goofiest one I've ever read and they did a whole documentary about it. Uh, was the have you ever seen Room Two Thirty Seven? The documentary on Kubrick's The Shining. Oh, here it we is go. It's on my list. Go for it. Yeah, it, it is so out there because you get all these people reading so much into this movie that honestly probably doesn't exist from the Kubrickian standpoint. It's just people watching it and seeing what they want to see. Like there's the whole mm-hmm. thing where it's it's a, a diatribe against American imperialism and the genocide of the Native Americans, loosely based on the fact that there are like uh, cans of flour in the larder that basically oh there's there's way more than that. I mean, well, yeah, I think that but, one is actually probably <laughs> true, but yeah. So it's it's funny, but the one that kills me is the. That the whole notion that the movie is some sort of coded apology by Kubrick for his role in faking the moon landing. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. there it is. The that one cracks me up because it's just like so circumstantial and so grabby for ideas when people are watching here, here, this thing. Here are my notes. Okay, uh, on on the defense of that. Uh, okay, the room's number in the book was two seventeen. Kubrick changed right. it to two thirty seven at the time. They believed the average distance from the Earth to the Moon is two hundred and thirty-seven thousand miles. 
Right. Um, let's see. Uh, they they he, the book had one slain child that shows up as a ghost. Kubrick turns it into twins to reflect the Gemini program. Right. Um, <laughs> there he's wearing an Apollo Eleven sweater. And when he's playing mm-hmm. with his cars and then he stands up and it's like the rocket is taking off and the carpet that he's playing on is a copy of the overhead view of the, 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 the launch area. It's covered yeah. in mm-hmm. this kind of cul-de-sac. Yeah. Vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so ludicrous though. Yeah. Come on. And then he like, he like stands up like the rocket. He walks two thirty set to two thirty seven, or walks, you know, like travels to the moon. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I don't know if it uh, was an apology for having faked it, but I think he is definitely making an, an allusion to the moonshot for that reason or some other reason. That or he yeah. thought it would be funny to fuck with people because, you know, yeah. <laughs> I think it's just the case of it's he's he's got such a reputation that people probably just give him way more credit than he's probably owed for stuff like that because of his legendary status so it's just the 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 whole documentary room 237 is just uh fascinating to watch because you get so many different perspectives on this singular movie and every single one of them seems reasonable at the time as you're watching it and then you have to step back and go okay now wait a minute it's sort of like hearing the whole QAnon thing with the pedophilia pizza ring and the whole nine yards it's like okay at the time someone's spousing that you're like okay maybe it makes sense but then you have to step back and go oh come on come on right which is the point of this show are the the various theories that come up whether or not they're they're you know there's any truth to them or it feels like there could be truth to them and does it make the movie better you know well i i I I actually think personally, because Stanley Kubrick was bored off his tit when he made this. He was like he had, he had just done Barry Lydon, which is his. Now he didn't just done it, but it's like he had done this movie that is so like aggressively boring. The only thing that's interesting about it is he created a new film stock for it. Yeah. By the time he gets to The Shining, it's like all right, I'm going to make some genre fiction just to be a dick. I'm going to make some genre fiction. (laughs) And I think while he's making this, it takes so little of his brain power that he starts weaving in interesting things because he can't help himself. Well, (laughs) I, I will tell you that the movie is better than the book. In my opinion, I don't like the book so much. It's got a lot of the same themes and things, but there are certain deals that Kubrick had sense enough to cut. And yeah, enhance and make more interesting so you know that's one of those deals where the the movie's better yeah there is a reason like not all stephen king movies are very good it's because the source material usually isn't very good right (laughs) it's like somebody has to come in and massage it into something yeah and i yeah i agree completely i think there are a lot of things that were in the book that make it just another stephen king story what 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 the Kubrick film does, in my opinion, is make it about a kid who realizes that absolutely nothing in the world can be trusted because one <laughs> after another, grownups all fail him. Yeah. And eventually he's the one who has to save himself. It's like, that's way more interesting than yeah, the idea that, you know, his dad blew up the hotel because he forgot to turn the boiler over. <laughs> True. So, Eric. Um, give us a couple from your list that you really wanted to make sure we hit. Okay, yeah, good. Uh, let's see. 
Um, this is a good one. Uh, Titanic is actually about uh, a time traveler who travels <laughs> exactly. back to the Titanic <laughs> to it. make sure that it sinks. Now, here's yeah. here's the defense. <laughs> one. And to get laid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he oh. shows up without any money to get on a, uh, a transatlantic uh, ocean liner. Right, and he, he wins at gambling, but he you know knows he knows he's going to win. That's why he does it that way. He shows up with a backpack that won't be common until the 1930s. He talks about um, Lake Wissota as the place he fished at, and a roller coaster on the Santa Monica Pier. Two things that would not even exist until after the Titanic sank. <laughs> so, so basically, he's a terrible and, time traveler. He doesn't know the rules. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, it doesn't matter. He can break the rules. He knows they're all gonna die. Yeah. But the, here's so he the can tell them anything he wants. Is that he shows up specifically because Rose is thinking of jumping off the ship, and he stops her because if she jumps off the ship, then the Titanic stops to go look for her, or at least you know to do a search of the ocean water, and right. so they're delayed. They don't get hit <laughs> by the iceberg. They don't sink time changes so he's there to make sure she does not jump off thereby yeah. jeopardizing the future where the titanic does sink i and think that is actually fucking genius it's and somebody airtight. was i was i was explaining that to somebody and they were like or maybe the writer just didn't get things right i'm like yeah maybe that but you know what no we're talking about what's in the fucking movie so shut yeah. up well, it's better than like the uh, the other one where Jack is a figment of Rose's imagination through the entire yeah. thing. I mean, that's just such a lame, yeah, way to look at it because it doesn't make any that's, sense. That's why I also stayed away from any Jacob's Ladder scenarios if I could avoid yeah. them because I think yeah. those are the cheap ones too. Yeah, it's it's just a cop. You don't know what a Jacob's Ladder scenario is. It's basically they were all this all happened in their dying moments. You know, bridge. Occurrence at mm-hmm. Owl Creek Bridge. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've we've which, we've actually been doing that for a couple of centuries. Nobody cares. Which reminds me, do you? Did, I had never read this one before, but I read the one about the the movie Grease, where the whole movie that is basically a, a death row fantasy what? that Sandy has while she's yeah. drowning. Because <laughs> yeah. remember, during the summer, uh, she, why do we have her drowning? Yeah. In the yeah. song "Summer oh, okay. Love," she talks about how she nearly drowned. But she actually did. And yeah. by the end, yeah, she's driving off into the sky. And yeah. 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 It's and that's her. why it's, yeah, the whole thing's a musical. So that's a stretch. <laughs> it's just funny, that's though. I know. It's, it's been around for years. Yeah. But it's funny. I'll, I'll give it that. Yeah. <laughs> here's, here's a good one that explains all of the canon issues within the Star Wars universe, right? I really okay. love this one. Oh, this good is actually luck. what good made fucking me... luck. Well, yeah, you think I wouldn't say that if I wasn't about to blow your mind? <laughs> I oh, gimme. <laughs> this is the one that I I heard this and I was like, oh, we're doing a show on this t- very topic. Um, okay, in the Star Wars universe, right? Uh, a New Hope actually happened. Right, everything you see in A New Hope is something that is historically accurate for that galaxy. Everything else is a myth based on that one occurrence. Like everything that happened hmm. after it is like a fun post, you know, sort of uh, coda of A New Hope. You know, like okay. you know what else probably could have happened is this. 
And uh, then somebody was like, oh, dude, what if he was his father? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. And I've got, uh, yeah, what do we really know about uh, Anakin Skywalker? Not much. So uh, I wrote a little thing. And so, you know, that's, you know, a supplemental <laughs> novel. <laughs> Ray, nice. Ray is, is someone who is a nobody who wishes she was somebody, so she wrote fan fiction, where she is the daughter of Palpatine, and she has all these powers and doesn't require any training. She is, you know, a a a, a perfect uh, Curly Sue, or whatever the fuck they call themselves, that knows how to do everything. <laughs> so, so, so basically, all of Star Wars is fan fiction, except, except for... Yeah. Okay. And that's, okay. that's also why you get things like the cartoons that are like breaking off into a side thing that may or may not be canon. Who cares? I think actually I tried watching. It's actually star Wars, right? (laughs) I actually tried watching star Wars, like episode three, whichever one that was. And they all talk like cartoons. The whole thing feels like a cartoon show. Yeah. Yeah. It's depressing, but yeah, none of it actually (laughs) happened. And that makes me feel better. That, 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 I mean, that brings me a certain calm. It's viable. I mean, shit. Why not? It's a fake universe anyway. That's like uh, saying that because the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, basically, they spent so much time talking about food and doing food stuff that maybe it's yeah. just really a Hobbit's food blog that we're, we're witnessing. <laughs> <laughs> I That's mean, it good. makes as much sense as any of the rest of it. The the other one that I'm sure is on your list, Eric, because it's common out there, but it was the other one that I thought was worth bringing up, uh, was the one about how Willy Wonka's candies are made of children. Ah. Yeah. See, I actually yes. had a whole side thing I found that Willy Wonka is a serial killer and that he yeah. sets up all of these things, these specific saw-like traps to kill kids, and that's why the <laughs> Oompa Loompas have a prepared song to sing yeah. every time the track is set. <laughs> Sprung. Now, where that you, works too. But where do you get the uh, the Charlie survives? That's the part I don't get. So uh, I'm not sure about the Charlie survives, but the evidence that, that is out there is like, why is there an Augustus Gloop-sized tube for him to get sucked into, right? Why do they have a room where you can juice a blueberry girl? Yeah. Like, yeah. Why, you know, all, and why is it that throughout the movie, every mode of transportation, as they get fewer and fewer people, doesn't have more and more empty seats? Yeah. He was he planning to kill these kids. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, that's, and, and, and that's his secret recipe. Yeah. And why doesn't, why doesn't Charlie die? Charlie almost does die. He sets a trap for him in the fan mm, blades. It's just that it doesn't it. go off. But he outwits. And right. so when he realizes he's got one kid too many, that's when he's like... Uh yeah, you get to run the place now, <laughs> and he'll kill he'll kill him later. He'll yeah. definitely kill him later. <laughs> well, that sort of ties into the like the the kids becoming whatever. Like the other good one too, because you mentioned Saw is the the fan theory that Kevin grows up to be From Jigsaw. Yeah, in the in the Saw franchise, and then they lay it all out. Yeah, uh, I, bo- I don't know. I, I that, like but. that one. I think it's fair because all of the things he does in his basement are saw-like traps. Yeah, uh, the two of them kind of dress alike. They yeah. don't look dissimilar. I mean, yeah, it totally works. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's goofy, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, uh, did you read the one Eric about uh, the cartoon, the Disney movie Aladdin, where it's sent yes. in a yes. post-apocalyptic future? That one made me think of you. <laughs> 
I thought that was actually, yeah, because how does this genie know all of these uh, pop culture references if, unless that shit's already happened? Also, yeah. he <laughs> has been in the bottle for 10,000 years by his own, you know, uh, um, by Reckoning. his own thing. He, right. But he knows that Aladdin's clothes are very third century, which means <laughs> that if that was the last reference he knew, and he's been in there, you know, 10,000 years, you know, he's, it's some year that's very far away in the future. Now. Yes. <laughs> it fits. It fits. It would explain the talking parrots. Well, I suppose parrots talk, but... Uh, Fuck. Okay, yeah. never mind. But in a, definitely in a post-apocalypse, the, the talking parrot would sound like Gilbert Gottfried. I mean, that really ties yeah. it all together for me. <laughs> I, I, I like the... I think the Wally one is, you know, probably the most believable, which is that in the movie, um, that, that robot that keeps trying to stop them from getting uh, the plant information is the good guy of the film. Everyone else is you know, just sort of causing things to happen that force this robot to try and save humanity by preventing that information from getting registered that, you know, it's time to go back to earth because right. none of the humans will survive. Wally basically, uh, kills the human race by, <laughs> by, you know, having the ship, finally turn around and go back to Earth where they are in no way prepared to do anything but die. <laughs> That's true, because there's no infrastructure. There's no food. Right. There's no water. They have there's no nothing. muscle tone. They don't yeah. know how to do anything. Yeah. Uh, there's a second theory that all those Slurpees they're drinking are made from dead humans, because what else do they have to grow shit out of? Yeah, uh, they soil and greened it. That's nice. Yeah. I didn't think about but, that. That's amazing. But they're <laughs> fucked. They're so yeah. fucked. And they try and make it like like that one guy gets off his chair at the end and manages to walk around like, oh, yeah, he's going to do fine. No, no, they're showing he can't walk properly. He's going to die. There is no food. There's only trash and a leaf. It is not yeah. time for man to come back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, the other good one I liked, and it fits, too, because uh, Mad Max Fury Road is a weird anomaly because it's much later than Thunderdome. You've got a different actor in the role, etc. And it just seemed like it was of the Mad Max universe, but apart somehow. But when you look at it from the idea that that Mad Max is not actually the Mad Max, it's actually the feral kid grown up to become a Mad Max type right. character. And he emulated him. Yeah, then it becomes a bit more of a deal. The only hitch in that is at the end of Road Warrior, they allude to the fact that the feral kid grew up to be the very wise man telling the tale. So you kind of have to bend that's your, your a logic problem. a little bit. So you know, no, that's not a problem. If he, if the feral kid grows older and and wears the you know dons the persona of Mad Max right. until he's too old to do it anymore. And then he becomes the storyteller of Mad Max. Okay. That the works. Man. Okay. Yeah, yeah that you're works. right. You're right. You're right. Okay. Good times. Good times. All right. Yeah. So we're, we're, getting, we're getting towards the end of it. Chris, did you have any others you want to make sure I got in? Uh, <laughs> the only other goofy one is that, uh, in Back to the Future that Doc is actually a suicidal maniac because none of his inventions <laughs> ever work. And the reason right. that he's testing the DeLorean... 
that he pulls Marty in at the last minute as this DeLorean is on coming because he doesn't think it's going to work and he wants to do a, like a murder-suicide and then it works <laughs> and everything is fun. <laughs> and that's so. why the, the, the flaming tracks go around them rather than yeah. the car goes over them. Okay. Yeah. It's a stretch. <laughs> it's a stretch, but it's just funny. If you look at it from that perspective, uh, it changes yeah. the whole dynamic of the movie. <laughs> so, yeah. Brian, do you have a final one? I, I already did my final one, so it's all you, Eric. Okay, my final one is one I came up with years ago uh, that big, big, huge Star Trek fan, and I've been very good up till now not mentioning Star Trek. All right? Yes, yes there it is, everybody. Yes, you, you thought you were going to get through the podcast, but nope, we got Star nope. Trek for you. Let's I got do a, it. I got one do last it. Star Trek. Q yes. is actually a fan of the TV show Star Trek who, like, is a, who watches <laughs> the show and knows it's a show and therefore is not constricted by the reality of the show. That's why he knows everything about everyone. That's why he's one okay. of the only characters to ever refer to their trek among the stars. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they, end up, they end up doing that in uh, uh, First Contact, where Zephram Cochran says some kind of Star Trek. But I like the red-letter media theory that none of the movies are canon. So I'm sticking with that. Um, <laughs> so so basically, as soon as soon as the Star Trek: The Next Generation has a pilot episode, Q shows up to be like, "Okay, we're we're interrogating this. Yes, because you're gonna be Star Trek. You're on trial. Remember yeah. how <laughs> when Star Trek: The Next Generation started, absolutely every Star Trek fan said, "This is not gonna work. This is this right. is goofy." Even right. Patrick Stewart said. I just wanted to finally make some money for once. My agent was like, yeah, do it. You'll spend a year in LA and then you go <laughs> home and that'll be it. You know, like nobody thought it was going to work. Uh, so I think that was Q come showing up and going, so new kids on the block. All right, let's see what you got. And he keeps showing <laughs> up that way. It's like, it's always to, it's not just to fuck with them. It's fucking with them in a meta way where he knows the score about a TV show called Star Trek. So after Star Trek, the next generation gets really popular. Q shows up naked and going, I've lost my power because (laughs) I've lost control of this. Well, he shows up in Mm. deep space nine. He shows up in Voyager. He shows up in lower decks. He's going to show up in uh, season two of Picard. I, yeah, I think he is the viewer of the show. That's that's why he's impervious (laughs) to anything that happens. He's not really there. He's a, he's a viewer. Interesting. I also think that he's the, uh, the alien from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy uh, so, book, So Long and Thanks for All the Fish, who is immortal. And Ulan so he, de- he decides to spend his entire life searching the universe to, for everyone in it to insult them personally oh. <laughs> one by one <laughs> yes that one because he's immortal and bored i think he's that guy you're a jerk dent that one yeah yeah yeah, yeah. exactly okay. uh, checks off a name <laughs> off a list okay bye <laughs> interesting that's well, my final have, one i do have one more i'm sorry but uh go okay. i, I yes. just thought of it uh it ruins the entire movie actually if you think of it this way but uh jurassic park the idea that the dinosaurs aren't actually real, that John Hammond is such a huckster that he congoogulated the DNA into what people think dinosaurs should look like. 
Yeah. And so the whole thing I is read, a sham. <laughs> I read that one and I was like, uh, I guess that does explain a couple of things like, you know, why, why they know like how a triceratops is supposed to yodel, I guess. Right. Or, you know, they, they know stuff that you can't know just from bone. But right. at the same time, I'm thinking if your scam is that you took uh, uh, animal DNA and turned it into something that looks like a fucking dinosaur and then you filled an island with them. Good scam. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't even seem like a fan theory. That's just textual. That's, hey, I used frogs, right? So, whatever. (laughs) Good on you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There are cheaper scams. I thought this, when I read, started reading that, I was like, oh, the scam is that they're all robot dinosaurs? Still pretty impressive. Well, for me, it's just (laughs) funny because that movie comes out and suddenly you got a whole generation of kids that want to become paleontologists and whatever. But then you have actual paleontologists watching it going, this is all utter bullshit. None of this yeah. is real. And so <laughs> you basically have this weird Mobius thing where the kids become paleontologists and then realize that everything that forced them to become paleontologists is horseshit. <laughs> and then it becomes well, this it's like that whole, that whole generation of archaeologists who were like, what? I don't need a bullwhip? Yeah, really? <laughs> <laughs> There are so many goofy right. theories, man. Ugh. And, and they're so all if the you've got a goofy theory, Spielberg. Yes, exactly. <laughs> if you've got a goofy theory that we didn't bring up, why don't you tell us about it? You can hit us up on Twitter. We're at MagHuge. Or on Facebook, we're the Magnificently Huge Podcast. Or our Instagram, same thing. Uh, you can always, please, subscribe to the podcast and share it with your social media uh, feeds with all your friends. Find out what we think of each episode of Loki as it comes out come back every week we're gonna keep watching that thing or at least i am uh hey you can always check out old episodes of the show on our website maghuge.com m-a-g-h-u-g-e.com and email us uh huge at gmail.com yeah yeah you know what this entire show is actually happening thank god Blong. <laughs>